Good morning. How are we doing? Who, didn't, who enjoyed that? That's good. Most importantly, we're just believing that the Lord enjoyed it this morning. We're praying about this in the pre-service prayer, the fact that so often we come and we leave a service saying, oh, we give a critique about the worship. How many know that it's actually about Him? It's actually about Him. And it is possible even if you gave the worship a 5 out of 10, it is possible for you to give him a 10 out of 10. By the way, it wasn't a 5 out of 10. But it is possible for me to be up here leading worship and for you to give it a 2 out of 10, but you to give him a 10 out of 10. And so why don't we pray this morning? I just sense like his presence here and like Carol said, We're not stepping out of worship into something else. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning that that we've come to ultimately seek you. We've come to meet with you this morning. We thank you, God, that like the angels around the throne, they sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we take some time this morning just to reflect on who you are the God who has always existed, the God who will always exist, the God who spoke a word and the worlds were formed. This is the God we serve. And Lord, this morning, we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord. This morning, I just want you to close your eyes right now for the next five minutes. And don't go to sleep. I'm going to play you an audio clip from a man by the name of Larry Randolph, who's an elderly man now who's had a preaching, a prophetic, a leadership ministry for 45 years. And he's going to share in this five-minute audio clip some reflections from his life. So just close your eyes and listen to this. A future is, I, I want to walk into the next life in the next decade or two decades. If I live to be three decades, it'd be in my 90s. That, that's just a blink of an eye away. I'm going to be walking into a place where everything is predicated on relationship. There would be no prophecy would be needed, no healing would be needed, no sermon would be needed, my ministry would be nothing would be needed. The only thing that would be needed was, as Jesus said to one group of people, I don't know if I knew you. In other words, we weren't friends. We didn't have a relationship. doesn't mean they were going to hell. It meant they didn't have close proximity to the presence of Christ. Because if you remember, that question was asked by uh, a woman saying, when you get to the next life, Jesus, can both of my sons sitting close proximity to you in relationship on the throne. And he didn't rebuke her and say, there is no such thing as being closer to Jesus in the next life. He said, it's not for me to say, it's for the Father. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that close proximity in the next life is a byproduct of close proximity in this life that's transferred into the next life. That's why Paul, I believe, could have said, I work for a better resurrection. In other words, in that resurrection, there's no, hey, the back row in heaven is better than the front row in the other place. 
But can you imagine? Think about this. No ministries in heaven. No service. What you do doesn't. None of that. All that measuring stick. All that's going. The only measure in the next life is, did you love me? Were you in love with me? Are we friends? Can I trust you? But friends sit close to friends. Friends would never sit down without their friends sitting beside them. And I know this sounds hokey, and but this is a simple man's wisdom at the end of his coming to the end of his life is I know my times, I know where I'm at, I know my age, I know where I'm going, I, I know what I'm about to do, and the Lord's already gave me instruction. He showed me like he did Peter how I'm to put off this body, and I know what he wants from me. And uh, and he wants from me to walk through that door, already a friend of his, um, already in love with him as much as I know how to be, and uh, so that I have an assured seat in close proximity to him for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm work. I, I, I'm not working for that in the church. I'm not working for that in my gifting, my ministry. That's part of equipping the saints. That's great. That's for now. I'm working now. I've transferred that to then. So now I'm working for a better resurrection. Because, look, you know how long 10 years? Can you think 10 years back? In 10 years, I'll be 77. 20 years, I'll be 87. I'm outside the loop of, of life expectancy. So, so I'm so much closer to where I'm going than where I've ever been. So I have to invest in my future. I still do this, you know, but I invest in my future and that investment. I know this is a long answer, but it's, you touched a piece of my heart. Um, but my, the long answer is um, there's no greater prize than to be a friend of God. Um, definitely not going to need my prophetic gift in heaven <laughs> or my healing ministry or my teaching because the greatest teacher in the world is going to be there so so I said to the Lord and I'll end this so what do I get to take with me and he said the only thing that enters the next life is your heart and he, and he said to me 10 years ago start turning your ministry around because your gift and ministry has become bigger than your heart and you're in trouble uh, he said, you're going to come to heaven. It's going to be great. But if you really want to please me, your heart's got to be bigger than your ministry. And your heart's got to be bigger than your gift. Because I don't want you to die, he said to me. I don't want you to lie like other ministers have, where they have small hearts and large ministries, and their heart is laboring under the weight of a heavy ministry. And they die prematurely. And they die without knowing me. And then they say, have we not cast out devil's name and work miracles in your name? And... By the way, the expanded Greek there doesn't say you're going to hell. It says back up from me because this space is reserved for someone who knew me. In other words, it's not an indictment to hell. Depart from me. It, it means to literally clear the space around me. This is a sacred space. So just because you did the works of Christ, which you should be doing, it's not, that, doesn't, that is not the foundation for close proximity to heaven. It is, did you know him? And the word know there means to be intimately acquainted. And so it's actually the word know in the Greek is a cousin word to the Hebrew word in Adam knew Eve. It means to be intimately acquainted, the two becoming one. And that was the prayer of Jesus. God, make them one, make us one, and let you and me come and live in them. So I'm, I'm struggling through that one in life now. Because I have 45 years of ministry behind me that I thought was the apex, the the gold standard of my life, and found out that it was great, but it was for the equipping of the saints. Now I've got to work on uh, my entry, my exit.
exit ramp. That's why Paul says in Corinthians 14, pursue love and then desire spiritual gifts. So there is an order, and the order is always love. I mean, a God that calls his nickname, God is love. He calls his nickname love. So I can't believe I've gone through my whole life of ministry and done about everything I can ever imagine and come down to the last of my days and find out this whole thing was about something so profoundly simple, the love of God. How did I miss that? How did I miss that? Yeah, and, uh, well, I didn't because the Lord's helping me with that. Did you all catch the gist of that? Sorry, the audio was a bit, a bit ordinary. But after that, we could all just go to coffee straight away. Have a strong coffee. And let that just, just process that for a while. If you're like me, when I listened to that, it, it sat heavily upon me. Just as I was processing this thing as profound as the love of God. Um, the gospel is not complex it's simple it doesn't mean it's easy but it's simple and here we heard that something as simple as the gospel can be boiled down to did you love me? I just want that phrase and what you heard in that audio just to, just to rest upon you even in these moments. Did you love me? This morning I want to spend the rest of the time just, just talking about this friendship with God. Talking about how we actually step into being a friend of God. How many know that God loves all humanity? This is amazing. God loves all humanity. If you're here this morning, you're like, hang on, Ben, you don't realize, you don't know my colorful past. I'm here to tell you that there's no place that the love of God can't reach. There's no place. He loves all of humanity. Even if you're hiding from him, his love still reaches you. It's still available for you. It's still there. But how many know that even though we don't earn his love, it's a free gift, it's unconditional. How many know that God doesn't call everyone his friend? God doesn't call everyone his friend. And we see this in, in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 33. And if you've got your Bibles, is it all right if we do some Bible reading this morning? Awesome. We're going to do some Bible reading in Exodus 33. Then we're going to jump over into John 15. And then we're going to come back into Exodus 33. Just turn there and we're going to have a, start reading in verse 7. And... It says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone, anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. 
And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance, while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. And verse 11 says this, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Let me read that again. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is incredible because we see that the life of Moses, there was something that happened in the life of Moses where he so found this place in the heart of the Lord that he would actually say, Moses is a friend of mine. This is incredible. Up to this point, the Lord would speak to special people in various ways. And some of it was symbolic, how he would speak. Some was different. Some was abstract. Some was broad. And all of a sudden here with Moses, he says, hang on, he's captured a part of my heart where I call him a friend that I no longer talk in these broad, unusual ways. I'm actually talking him face to face as a friend. This is incredible. Moses captured such a place in the heart of God where God could say, this is my friend. We're going to have a look at Exodus 32, so just turn one page over. Um, These are a couple of crazy passages of scripture. There's a lot in here I don't understand. And Hayden said this great last week. He was talking about the fact that as we journey with the Lord, we have to embrace mystery. We actually have to embrace things that we don't understand. And what he was saying was we actually have to have a value for the trust over our value for want of understanding. It's so true. And there's stuff in these passages that I don't understand. But I encourage you, as we, as we read through them, just let's, let's have our, our, our heart anchored in the trust. Let's, 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 let's have trust in him that um, he's going to reveal to us what he wants to speak to us this morning. Here we have in, in verse... So the context here is that Moses, as we know, he's, lead, he's leading the people of Israel through the wilderness there to go to the promised land that God has promised for them. They're taking the long route. We know that. I think the trip takes 11 days and they're taking 40 years. Poor people. They're taking the long route. And here we have Moses. who he, he's, he's only gone like a short period of time. He's gone up a mountain and he's gone to speak to God. And all of a sudden, these people, a couple of million people, decide that they're going to abandon God. They're going to abandon Moses. And they, they decide to put their gold together, their jewelry. They throw it in the fire. They melt it down. And they make a calf. And they start to worship this thing. We have to remember for a moment that this is a people who God has actually chosen to be their people. 
Out of all the people, the populations on the face of the earth, he's chosen this people, Israel, to be their God. This is the God who's always been in existence, who always will, who spoke a word and creation was formed. He's the one who's delivered them out of Egypt. He's doing miracles for them. He's providing manna. He opens the Red Sea. He's with them with clouds and with fire. And all of a sudden, after a few days that Moses is away, they say, that's it, we've had it. We're going to put our gold together and we're going to make this article and we're going to worship it. And in this passage, passage God is pretty frustrated. I would go further and say he's pretty angry at what's taken place. And here God is having this dialogue with Moses, their leader, and this is what he says in verse 7. Go down because your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. As we read in this passage, it says that that, that God has basically said to Moses, I'm going to wipe them out. This is the last straw. This is it. Your people who you brought out of Egypt, they've turned their backs on me, they're corrupt, go wipe them out, go destroy them, this is it. And I find this fascinating because as we read down in the verses, Moses comes before the Lord and he's having this dialogue. And in verse 11, I think it is, it is verse 11. He says, hang on God, they're not my people, they're actually your people. Here we go. It says, But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God and said, Why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with your great and mighty hand? And then Moses goes on to tell God and remind God about the promises that he had made to to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and about the multitudes of people that that would happen through this nation and the promises that he had given them. Then in verse, verse 14 it says, Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. We have to think through this for a moment. Here God is saying, I'm going to destroy these people. And whatever happened, Moses had such a place in the heart of God through friendship that he actually came. The Lord actually invited him into the council of the Lord to actually have a discussion that would actually change the future of a nation. This is fascinating. And here we have in another translation that word relent, it actually says God changed his mind. Now let's stop for a second. There's a heat we don't understand in this passage, but what we do know is this. Was, it, was, was the issue that, that God woke up that day out of the wrong side of the bed and he just had a foul day? No. I'd like to propose today that God doesn't have a bad day. Or maybe it was the fact that God is now getting pretty old and he's suffering memory loss. And a lucky Moses was there because Moses had to remind him. See, Moses has got a a, a newer brain than God, a younger brain. Was this the case? Of course not. This is God we're talking about. God's not us.
It's none of these things, but there is something that happens in this relationship, in this covenant of friendship, where the Lord was actually commissioning Moses to come in and actually have a two-way conversation that would affect the future of this nation. This is incredible. There's another verse about Moses that says, teach me your ways, I I think it's Moses, it says, teach me your ways that I may know you. Teach me your ways that I may know you. You see, something that Moses had cultivated was the fact that he wasn't just seeking God's hand, but he was seeking his face. And here we read in these verses before that he would actually meet and encounter God face to face like a friend talking to a friend. How often do we seek God for what he can give us? We seek God for the areas of breakthrough and we should be doing that. But how many know that when God performs a miracle in our life, it's actually meant to invite us to seek his face? Oftentimes we receive this blessing from God and we say thank you and we turn around and we go home. And he's standing there saying, hey, that was an invitation to the more. Maybe it's that job you've been leaving for and, you know, you've been praying for, for a long time and all of a sudden you've stepped into the dream job. That promotion, that job that was a miracle is meant to take you to his face, meant to take you deeper into relationship with him. Or maybe it's the your marriage that was dysfunctional and the Lord has just breathed life into it. How many know that that's meant an invitation to, to the deeper things? It's meant to be an invitation to a relationship and intimacy, a friendship with God. Maybe it's the breakthrough and healing, whatever it is. These things that the Lord gives us is meant to be an invitation to more. Moses says, teach me your ways that I may know you. Probably about a month ago, I um, took my kids to a school disco. Now, I actually didn't realize that school discos were still in existence. But let me tell you, they are and they're pumping and they're wild. And so... I've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and they were really excited about the school disco. So um, I took them along and how many know as parents, we like, or at least I do, when I've done school drop-off before, I like to just observe who, who my kids' friends are and I like to sort of, you know, just get a little bit close just to make, just to observe who they're hanging around with, what discussions are being had and... Sometimes the kids aren't always favourable to this. And so, um, anyway, so I haven't had a lot of discussions with, you know, me as seven-year-old friends. And so I ended up taking them to the disco this day and we were prepared. We, we haven't been prepared in the past, but this, this year we were. And we went and we bought a big box of glow sticks because that's what you do at a school disco. And so we had these glow sticks and... When we arrived there, Mia ran off and 
to her friends and, and Tom ran off and were playing and dancing and running amok with their friends. And all of a sudden, I had like 12 seven-year-old girls around me and Mia. And I was thinking, what's going on? They're finally re- ready to hear to talk to me. All these times I've been, been interested in who Mia's friends are. She'll never tell me anything about her friends from school. How many get the same response when your kids get home from school? How was your day? You're good. What did you learn? I can't remember. It's every day. It's the same thing. But anyway, so all of a sudden I have these 12 pair of beating eyes like looking up at me in anticipation. And I was like, wow. Um, Anyway, and one of them says, oh, um, Mia's dad is so cool. And I was like, okay. And... And I was like, oh, something's going on here. And then um, another one said something else about me as dad. And all of a sudden, I realized that they wanted the glow sticks. <laughs> and so they all started to, to go for these glow sticks. And I was happy. We had a big box of them. Like I said, we were prepared. Not like the previous year. We were prepared this year. And so we gave them glow sticks. How many know that I, I never saw one child after that for the whole night? Once the glow sticks were gone, that was it. But, but we laugh about this story because it's to do with kids and they're cute and they're funny and all this stuff. But how many know we can be the same? We fall into this trap of, of coming to God for what He can give us and we actually forget that there's actually more. It's actually an invitation to seek Him, seek His face in intimacy with God. So many times, even my own life, when I'm desperate, It's in the place where I'm most close to God. And because he's so gracious, he actually, because he's so gracious, he actually accepts us just as we are. But how many know he actually wants us to live in a place of intimacy and friendship? Not just when we need something. I'm sure you all know that person that rings you when they need something. Or that person that walks in the church when they need something. Hey, we've all been there. It's, it's, it's probably you. Um, I'm joking. Um, but but, but we all have a tendency to do this. We all have a tendency to go to God and then once we have what we've received, walk away or pull back. And I remember even in my own life, the times when I was closest, unfortunately sometimes were those times when I was desperate, I needed a miracle, I needed a breakthrough, and all of a sudden we struggle as human beings because we pull back when that very place was an invitation to more. Let's jump over in John 15. John 15 verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that, that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Let's stop there for a moment. This verse here, this promise of God in verse 7 is not just something to tease us. This is what it says. This is a promise from God. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done. That's amazing, isn't it? Jesus here is so confident about two elements that he says, hey, if you stay connected to me, he gives us the picture of a vine and a branch and he says, hey, this is the picture. If you stay connected to me like the vine and the branch, intimacy, friendship, relationship, that's number one. And then he says, number two, if this word remains in us, if this word becomes alive in us, those two ingredients come together. He is that confident about that mix that he's entrusting you, me, to ask for anything and it shall be done. This is incredible. Let's keep reading verse 8. It says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. I've just got a few thoughts around this verse 14 about being friends. It says that you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. I would like to propose that it's not like we get to be servants or friends. Sometimes we read these passages and we think, okay, the goal here is that we be friends with God, and that's true. It doesn't mean that we stop being a servant and a slave to Christ. Because we see in John 13, it says, no servant is greater than his master. And throughout the whole New Testament, we see this encouragement to be bond servants of Christ, to be slaves of Christ, to be servants of Christ. He's not saying that, all right, you finished this servant slave stuff to Christ. And now we close the door on that. We close that chapter and now we step into friendship. How many know that there's, well, for me personally, there's, there's some people in my life that are really close friends. 
The friendship is really close. And at any time, day or night, whatever's going on, they can ring me and I will drop everything to serve them. I can't think of one thing I wouldn't do if someone was in need, someone was in crisis, one of my close friends. Because in that moment, this is not, by the way, like for 12 weeks, this is in a moment of crisis, I can't think of anything I, wouldn't do, I, I, I would continue to do but to drop it and go and serve them, to become a servant to them. It says here, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I love this because in Exodus we see a picture of what, Moses shows us a picture of what friendship with God looks like. It looks like face-to-face encounter with God. And then Jesus here in John 15 gives us some practical information, some practical ways that we can actually step into being a friend of God. And here he says, hey, You are my friends if you do what I command. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, hey, I just haven't heard God speak for a while. I don't know what's going on. Um, He doesn't speak clearly to me. He definitely isn't speaking like you've described about Moses face to face with God. There might be various reasons for that, but one of them may be the fact that you need to return back to the last thing he told you to do and do it. He's actually saying here, you are my friends if you do what I command. The gospel is not complicated, it's actually simple. So oftentimes, and I've done it myself, I do it all the time, we stand here and worship. You probably did it this morning. We've got our hands up and we say, we'll go to Africa for you. Who said that, by the way? (laughs) I'm kidding. We'll, We'll go to Africa. We put our hands up and we say, we'll go anywhere for you. Take our life. Take everything. We want to be used by you. We want revival. We want breakthrough. Just do anything with our life. And then he says, well, what about I ask you to get up 10 minutes early and spend time in my presence? Oh, not that, but I'll go to Africa. I'll give all my money away to the poor. How about he's encouraged you to to give the $50 that he's asked you to give? Oh, no, not that. We sweep that under the carpet. But we'll do all these great things for God. See, the process or the, 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 the way we move into friendship here, he says in John 15, is actually simple. It's actually doing the very thing that God has asked us to do. Maybe it's like, God's told you to give some money away. Just return to that. Maybe he said, hang on, I wanted you to work on this in your marriage and, and, and you sort of just, oh, look, that, we can sort that out later when there's revival. Well, this is revival in our marriage. I would encourage you to return to those things that he said in the past. Because the very process of becoming a friend of God is this, is obeying what he said to do. 
And oftentimes, because he's, he's such a God that, that, that entrusts us with things, he'll start with the $10. He'll start with the getting up 10 minutes early. He'll start with the little things, and, 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 and all of a sudden, we, we disregard it because we want to go to Africa. We're praying for God for a platform to speak to thousands, and he's saying, hey, what about that 10 minutes in the morning with me? What about that money that you set aside to, to, to go on a vacation or to, to, to do this? What, what, what about that? That very thing. This morning, what has he asked you to do? It's not complex, it's simple. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's simple. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, hey, I've been obeying God. I'm doing everything he said as much as I know how. There was something fascinating about the life of Moses where in uh, chapter 33, verse 7, it actually says that he set up a tent of meeting outside the camp. Sometimes we need to do things that are on the other side of convenience. In our pursuit of God, in this relationship with God, in this process of being a friend of God and intimacy, oftentimes, actually most of the time, it's on the other side of convenience. It means that we actually have to step through inconveniences, sacrifice, all these things that we don't like to become into that place of a friend of God, intimacy with God. You see, Moses, had he, sent the, he set the tent of meeting outside the camp. It was outside the ordinary run of what was going on. It was something that wasn't um, easily accessible. It was something that, that, that just didn't, everyone just didn't go into. It was actually a place excluded from the normal um, things in life to an intentional place where he met with God. I encourage you this morning. God has given everything for us. At the cross, he opened a way for everyone to come into relationship with him. And his goal is for everyone to have these face-to-face friendships, encounters, intimacy with the Father. We even see with the Israelites, his goal was for that too. But they said, no, 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 we want Moses to be the point person. God was like, I want a relationship with you. And they said, no, 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 you just speak to Moses and he can tell us what to do. And so God this morning, he's, his, his heart is for all of us to go deeper in a relationship with him. We'll just jump back to Exodus 33. Just as I finish now. This is Moses talking to God again after all this has gone on. In verse 13 it says, If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you 
and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? This is the very thing, Hope Point Church, that distinguishes us from anything else that should distinguish us is Him. His invitation is to us again this morning. It's always been there. And it's for people that come into that place and respond and say yes to Him for a deeper relationship, for intimacy, for friendship with God. Larry Randolph said at the beginning, he said, how is it possible that he's went through 45 years in ministry and Nelly missed the very most important thing? The simple simplicity of the love of God. Hope point, let's not be people that miss the very thing. There's some amazing ministries here. There's some amazing events. There's amazing things that will happen and will continue to happen. But there is one most important thing and that is the love of God. That is the love of God. So why don't you bow your heads for a moment. Thank you, Jesus, this morning that you invite us once again. Lord, we thank you that even though we mess it up, we fall short. Lord, your grace is for us again so many times. And this morning we say yes to your invitation, not just to do works for you, but to become your friend. A deeper friend, a more intimate friend, and to value your presence. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.